Hey, everybody. This is Dominic D'Angelo of WrestleZone.com, and it is episode 11 of WCW Rewritten. But we have a very special episode, as this is Super Bowl 8, which took place February 22nd, 1998, at the Cow Palace in San Francisco, California. Dave Meltzer was very likely there. But who do we have here with us today? The powers that be. None other than Marcus, my degenerate brother. Marcus. Thanks for joining me on your very own show. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Dominic. Hearing the powers that be on this podcast gave me some douche chills thinking about the uh, the Russo days of WCW. Let me tell you, man, as soon as we got that exploding cat butthole uh, WCW logo, it was over. Dude, so did you compare that to the cat butthole? Wasn't it something else, too? Didn't they say it was a vagina? Yes, it was exploding vagina, mm-hmm. cat butthole. I've heard a few. Yeah, comparisons. You know what? As weird and odd as a game as it was, WCW Mayhem wasn't that bad, right? Uh, what the game? Yeah, the video game. Yeah, it was trash. You didn't like? I still have it here, and I think I tried playing it a couple years ago, and it sucked. It sucked. Ah, uh, I don't know. It's. I mean, it's obviously it's no revenge. It's no revenge. Well, no game ever since has been revenge. It's just. Not, not. There hasn't been a good follow up yet. Uh, the closest we came, I think, was WWE 2K14. Um, I don't know. Uh, here comes the pain up there. Uh, true. Here comes the pain. The, those are the top three wrestling video games ever released, though. Yeah. No, you can't beat it. That, there hasn't been one yet. I'm very curious to see what WWE is going to do this year because they took the year off from fucking 2K after that albatross. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but hey, we're live. So, uh, Fans, thanks for tuning in. We got a good amount I'm seeing on here. Um, feel free to engage. Uh, Marcus, you have quite the card lined up here for us tonight. Um, yeah, you know, it, it was only – so, Dominic, you texted me earlier in the day and you asked me uh, to send you the card. And I didn't – like, as I'm writing it out, you know, I just kind of go, like, linearly uh, as I'm as I'm doing it when I, when I write it on my phone. And I didn't really realize how many matches I booked. This is a very overbooked event. There are a lot of matches. But this again, is like a three-hour you know, nitro. <laughs> yeah, we're like we are shoehorning in a lot of storylines. Uh, to your point on our other podcast, which is Two Dynamite Dudes with Attitude on WrestleZone.com. Um, you know, it's I'm I'm trying to feature as many of these talent as I possibly can, and not always easy, dude. Yeah, a lot a lot of plates to spin here as the uh, as the creative guy in in charge. Um, yeah, you know, that being said, uh, Dominic just compared it to a three-hour Nitro. Uh, this podcast is going to be maybe 40 minutes, I would say. Yeah, um, tend to keep yeah. it pretty tight. Yeah, yeah, this is this is a little more tight than uh, than our other podcasts, where we kind of just go off. But that being said, you know, excuse me, along the way, if you've got any questions, you know, feel free to shout them out, and we'll, we'll answer them. I do have a request, Marcus. Anytime yeah. we uh, start the show, I really think you should... Larry Zabisco, stand up in, out of your chair and salute your uh, your figures behind you. Like, well, I'm I'm nude in. from the I'm nude from the waist down, Dominic. So we don't need that right now. Well, yeah, we um, definitely don't. So, uh, Dominic, did you need to run down the super car, ball, super brawl eight card before? Let's, I... Yeah, let's do that. Let me pull that up here. Oh no, Dominic, why do you never have these queued up? I was thinking about. I figure it's it's fine to do on the air. You know? All right. Well, uh, Wesley Turner, hi. Thanks for joining us, man. Glad to have you in here. Um, you know, if, if anybody has any questions along the way, like I said, please feel free to shout them out. Um, Marcus, I why did... don't you, uh, if 
people are tuning in for the first time, why don't you give them a brief rundown of how this whole thing operates and what's going on? Yeah. So uh, in a nutshell, sorry if this is like the 80th time you've heard this, uh, if you're like a devoted listener. But um, in a nutshell, I started at uh, Starcade 1997, and I said, okay, that's the point to me where WCW really kind of went off the rails. So uh, I, I started there, and I'm completely rebooking it, um, it just changing storylines. There's no creative control. Um, injuries are not a thing, uh, except for pre-existing injuries, which is why Ray Mysterio has not been on the program for a while. Um, drug addiction and uh, subsequent uh, stints in rehab are not a thing. So uh, I'm, I'm going like perfect world, perfect circumstances. All the talent that WCW had, how would you book it? And uh, so far, so good, Dom. I feel like it's going really, really great. Yeah, no, it's been pretty solid. Uh, the, I've only had a couple of uh, criticisms so far. Um, I'm very, I like uh, the idea of, What's the name of Runway? What is it? Runway Royalty, which is Rick Martell and Alex Wright. Now, I like that, but uh, like I said last week, it kind of has the potential to category. whatever the fuck is going on in the background of that is going to have to stop. It's the dog, so hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if it was like too loud or what. Hold on. Vamp. Uh, yeah, if I'm hearing it that loud and clear, God knows everybody else is too. And we are we're we're gonna lose some follows, dumb. Um, but yeah, so uh, I've already done one pay per view. Uh, we did sold out nineteen ninety eight already, and uh, you know it's 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 been going really great. I feel like, and this is one of the things I said from the start: there were so many missed opportunities in WCW in this era. They had a stacked, unbelievable roster of talent, um, and not all the right guys got to uh, to face off against each other. So I'm I'm trying to right those wrongs right now. Dominic, what happened on the actual Super Brawl 8 on February 22nd at the Cow Palace in San Francisco? All right. So the the night started off with Ultimo Dragon defeated Sh- Shiru with Sonny Ono in a singles match. Booker T uh, defeated Rick Martell, the champion of the, the world television champion, Rick Martell. Booker T defeated it and got the title. Uh, then Booker T defeated Perry Saturn in a successful title defense against him. Uh, also, D- Disco Inferno defeated La Parca. Goldberg defeated Brad Armstrong. Chris Jericho defeated Juventud Guerrero by submission to title versus mask match. Man, what a memorable match that was. That was like, that was the big first cruiserweight storyline I got invested in was that. Absolutely. And it was all largely due to, uh, to Chris Jericho. Hey, Kevin, you are cool. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> so, yes, thank you. Uh, British Bulldog defeated Steve McMichael. In a singles match, Diamond Dallas Page successfully defended his United States Heavyweight Championship against Chris Benoit. Lex Luger defeated Randy Savage within a no disqualification match by submission. The Outsiders defeated the Steiner brothers in the infamous moment when Scott Steiner turned on Rick Steiner. Will that happen tonight at Super Bowl? And then Sting in the main event defeated Hollywood Hogan for the vacant. WCW World Heavyweight Championship. What a farce that that title was vacant following Starcade 1997. That's one of the the rights or the wrongs that I righted uh, mm. on my on my in my version of WCW. All right, Dominic, you ready for me to jump into my version of Super Brawl? Yes, 8? Marcus. How did you book Super Brawl Eight that took place February 22nd of 1998 at the Cow Palace in San Francisco, California? Um, 
All right, here we go. Uh, we get a classic 90s WCW video package featuring Sting and Savage as well as DDP and Hogan. These matches are the main and semi-main events tonight, and the hype is real. Uh, Pyro goes off, and we're live at the Cow Palace for Super Brawl 8. Shivani, Bobby Heenan, and Dusty Rhodes are all there, and Dusty's making sure to put over his comrades, Stephen Regal and Larry Zbysko, and their matches against Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, respectively. Tony and Bobby plug the rest of the card, and it is stacked. The faces of fear make their way to the ring for the opening contest, and Tony reminds us that they are taking on a man who has yet to lose a single match in WCW. Keenan tells us that those circumstances are sure to change tonight, as Bill Goldberg is finally bitten off more than he can chew in a handicap match against these two monsters. Goldberg's theme hits, and the crowd livens. We are starting to really hit our stride with him now, and I am going to just slowly apply the gas uh, starting here tonight. Uh, the faces of fear are going to dominate Goldberg for the first three quarters of this short match. They'll tag each other often and simply outmatch him. Finally, Goldberg is going to come alive by nailing Barbarian with a spear on the return from an Irish whip. Ming will come in and hook Bill with the Tongan death grip, but then Bill will grab him by the neck in return and hoist him up for that crazy Gorilla Press Slam uh, spine buster that he did. Uh, most famously at... Uh, it's, it, to me, the the craziest version of that I ever saw him do was to Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 20. Oh, my gosh. And that remember that what happened with that crowd? They were all out of the fucking match. But when he did that, like the crowd popped for that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the crowd was just like completely dead until Goldberg did that. Like, And I think I mentioned it on this podcast before. When Goldberg did that to Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 20, I was like, it, it seems impossible. Like when you look at Brock Lesnar's body, like it, it just it doesn't look right to your eyes to that Goldberg is strong enough to do that. Um, so it was just it was just a wild thing. But he's doing it to Ming here. Uh, so Jimmy Hart's going to get on the apron, but Bill's going to thrust kick his little ass to the floor. And with that done, Bill gets hey, Barbarian. <laughs> hey, baby. Uh, Bill gets Barbarian up for the jackhammer and wins the match in convincing fashion. Hang on, I'm going to mute for a sec so I can cough. Sorry, guys. Oh, hideous. Yeah, getting getting over a cold. Uh, next up, we get Glacier coming to the ring amid techno and lasers um, and all the other bullshit that kind of ruined him in WCW. Uh, he's getting a shot at none other than Brian Clark and his U.S. title. Uh, Clark comes out holding the belt above his head and looking like a badass. I said it before, Dom. I'll say it again. I'll probably say it many times. Brian Clark had everything as a pro wrestler. Maybe he wasn't the best worker. He wasn't. But like, as far as just being a pro wrestler, great look, great size, like a sweet finish. Uh, How was he on the mic, Marcus? Do you know anything? I, I don't. I don't know that he was good, but he didn't have to be. He had everything else you want. Yeah, you just get him a you know mouthpiece or whatever even. Yep, and so I think that putting him with in NWO here um, with Hogan uh, and Bischoff and all these guys who are good talkers, it's just money, dude. Um, all right, uh, ba 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 Okay, he is going to. Uh, I'm sorry, I want Glacier to put up a little bit of a fight here, but ultimately uh, this match is going to be similar to the last one. Uh, Clark is just going to look completely dominant. And like everybody he steps in the ring with has no business in there with him. Um, he's just going to land his finish and pin Glacier with one boot on his chest. And the announcers will put him over as a monster. Uh, next just we go for clarification back. too. He's Brian Clark. He's not wrath anymore, right? Exactly. So he is not going just like everybody else who joined the NWO. They kind of got shoot names except for like Vincent and a couple others. Yeah. But, uh, but he's Brian Clark. He's done being wrath. 
and like that sweet wrath gear that he had, which was which was great gear. It was, it was cool. It was, gear, yeah. it was really cool looking. Um, instead of saying wrath on it, it's going to say NWO, and it's just going to be black with like the white swirls coming up it. Yeah. Um, so it's I, I could see him. He would have fit like a glove in the NWO man. You know, you even get the like what Hogan had on his boots or on his trunks, like his his tights would be like the lightning bolt or like the yeah, kind of like the Jimi Hendrix smoke that came with, you know, all that kind of vibe going yeah. on. would be pretty cool. Honestly. If you Brian, Brian Clark fit. Um, so next we're going to go back to a backstage segment where Steven Regal is in front of his new group, which includes Dean Malenko, Tully Blanchard, Larry Zabisco, Rick Flair, and Arn Anderson. Kevin Nash, for nearly two years, I've stood by and watched while you and your clique have attempted to take over the wrestling world. Your people have a stranglehold in New York, and now you and your friends have come to WCW, where the big boys play, in an effort to take over this territory, too. Look in my eyes, Nash, and know that what I'm about to tell you is true. It stops here. Your size and strength have helped you throughout your career, but they won't save you now. Tonight, you come up against me, Steven Regal. And in case you've forgotten while I've been away, let me remind you. I'm the best technical wrestler on the face of this planet. Tonight, it'll be your size against my skills. Let's see who comes out on top. Dean Malenko and Tully Blanchard are on next. Kurt Hennig and Conan. Uh, Dean's going to start. Kurt Hennig and Conan, you two are an, embarrass an embarrassment to the wrestling industry. Tonight, Tully and I will show you what true wrestling legacy looks like when we send you both slinking off to whatever garbage dump you came from. Tully goes next. Tonight, Hennig, I want the match to start off with me and you. I want to look you in the face and see the fear in your eyes when you realize that you're in over your head when you stepped in the ring with the best. And it doesn't matter that your lackey, Rick Rude, will be your ringside because we have a couple guests of our own. Tonight, we'll be joined by two horsemen, Rick Flair and Arn Anderson. Rick takes the mic. Tonight, Rude. Tonight, Rude. I wish I could do a good Rick Flair. Tonight, Rude. Uh, if you try anything, the nature boy and the enforcer will be standing by to slap you down. Your group has had the advantage for long enough. If you want to play the numbers game, pal, nobody does it better than two former horsemen. Woo! Finally, Zabisco goes. Speaking of playing the numbers game, Scott Hall, you can bring whichever one of your loser friends you want down to ringside for your match against me tonight. I made a phone call last week, and the man who's joining me for our match will make damn sure that nobody can save you against a living legend. We head back to the ring for the next contest. I really miss the days in uh, pro wrestling when um, when they would do these like little kind of short vignettes. It was mostly on the way to the ring or uh, short little pre tapes. Like they'd have like a little box pop up while like Razor Ramon was walking to the ring, and he'd be like talking shit to like Repo Man or whatever. Um, I always I always thought that that was cool. So I was like, I, I sort of want to get a little bit of that flavor. Uh, it looks like we got a couple questions. Dom, you want to jump in on those? Uh, there's not really any questions, uh, <coughs> you know, and pretty much I've been responding to them via the chat. So, oh, okay, uh, yeah, I just looked. I just looked up and saw them. I haven't even read them yet. Oh no, there's it's some. I put one on here, like so. Yeah. Well, well hey, by all means, and if you see one that you want to answer, uh, read it. Absolutely, I will. Yeah, if you guys have any questions regarding the show or anything like that, just let us know. All right. Uh, so, uh, where am I? Where am I? We head back to the ring for the next contest. Ready or not plays and Conan, Hennig, and Rick Rude head to the ring. They look as arrogant as ever, especially Hennig, who has always had one of the best smug looks in the business, is he not? Oh, every yeah. time every time he would walk to the ring like chewing his gum or whatever, it was like that guy is he's got a slappable face. He's got a real slappable face, let me tell you that much. Uh, next, the horseman theme plays and out come Malenko and Tully. So this new group, I don't have a name for this new group yet. 
um, of like just older old school wrestlers. But I just love that uh, WCW Horseman theme. So I'm like, that's their theme. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to keep that. <laughs> um, they stop at the top of the ramp and look back toward the curtain. Ric Flair and Arn Anderson emerge. They are all business as they head to the ring ready for a fight. When the bell rings, Hennig and Tully are in the ring, but after teasing a lockup, Hennig quickly tags out, depriving Tully of starting the match against Hennig like he wanted. The story I want to tell here is that the Wolfpack will attempt to cheat pretty much constantly. Anytime Rude tries to interfere, however, Rick and Arn come around the ring and stop him. Um, let's just stop for a minute, too, and appreciate the people that are in this match, right? We've got Tully Blanchard tag-teaming with Dean Malenko. Like, right there. It's like, that's amazing. Yeah. And then, we got, then we got Conan, who's in his prime right now, as good as he ever was during this period of time. And uh, Kurt Hennig, who still had so much gas left in the tank. I mean, what a match. What a match, Dom. I, know. I, hate, I hate to bury Horowitz myself here, but we got to pat myself on the back. Cringe, cringe. <laughs> Um, as finally as we near the end of the match, Rick Rude will attempt to interfere a final time, but Arn will come around one side of the ring and Rick will come around the other. Rude will see the danger he's in and run off with his tail between his legs toward the back with Rick and Arn in pursuit. In the meantime, Malenko is about to turn Conan over for the cloverleaf, and when Henning tries to come in, Tully will cut him off and beat his ass, spilling to the outside with him. Malenko will turn the move over and Conan will tap out reluctantly. The old school guys win the first match of the evening against the Wolfpack. Um, I feel like, you know, these are, these are a new, a new group, right? A new grouping, Dean Malenko and Tully. If they're going to be a tag team, uh, they need to start out with a win, brother. I think that's a very fair point, especially if this is Tully's debut match with uh, WCW in this, at this juncture. It's, it's not. He had a match, a singles match on Nitro, if I remember correctly. You yeah, booked him in one? I think it was against Conan, actually. Um, I can't remember. I believe so, uh, which he went over in. But he should continue to go over. He's still fresh in the territory. All right, next up, we do a video package of the feud between Jericho, Ultimo Dragon, and Juventud Guerrero. When we return to live action, we are zoomed in on the Cruiserweight title, which is hanging high above the ring. Uh, the ring has three la- three ladders, which are open and surrounding it, kind of like the uh, tables, ladders, and chairs bullshit that they started to do. But I-, I just like that imagery, just like three big open ladders surrounding the ring. Like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I wrote here, like, how can I even attempt to begin to book this match? Um, it's, I'm not a road agent, right? You and I discussed this before. You aren't before before I was, I was going through like in minute detail of like, okay, this happens next in the match. And then this happens. And then this happens. And it's like, if I was, if I was the actual booker, if I was like Kevin Sullivan and WCW, I'm not telling these guys first, you do a drop to hold then an arm drag. It's, I'm not doing that. And so, uh, I'm, I'm certainly not going to do it with these guys. Um, they're all in the ring. Huh? Call it in the ring. Exactly. They're all masters of the craft. And I can only begin to imagine what kind of stops they'll pull out in this one. Uh, for the finish, however, I do have a pretty clear vision. Uh, Chris Jericho is going to be climbing one side of the ladder as Ultimo climbs the other. The two are going to exchange blows when they reach the top, with Jericho looking like he's about to knock Ultimo off. Ultimo wavers and looks like he's about to drop when suddenly he sits back up and he red mists Jericho. Um, Again? Who lets go of the ladder to cover his face and plunges off. Ultimo is about to grab the belt, but Hoovy has climbed up behind him. He hooks him for a powerbomb and nails him to the canvas. Hoovy climbs to the top and recovers his cruiserweight title, and he gets the victory. 
So Juventud Guerrero, I've been saying it, Dom. I want him to come off very strong in this version of WCW. I love Hoovy. I thought he had so much potential back in this time. I hated when they took the mask off him, which I believe was actually at this event, which you referenced earlier. Yes. Um, hated when they did that. I think I think uh, Hoovy really kind of had it all when he was just like this match, this masked fiery luchador. Uh I kind of, I was okay with him getting unmasked, honestly. I thought it was- I mean, good looking dude. And I, that's why they wanted him to be unmasked, where it's like he's got this great head of hair. He's a nice looking kid. He's great athleticism. But the thing is, it's it, it's part of his legacy, right? Yeah, but I think um, I think it played into getting Jericho over. But And I also think it kind of helped Hoovy get over, too, because he wasn't just another, like, people associated the mask with Rey Mysterio. You had Ultimo Dragon, you had Psychosis, you had La Parka, you had so many of these masked wrestlers. I think it was okay to unmask one of them that was a good-looking dude and had a presence about him. So, never, I never, I was, like, and it, when his he got unmasked, it felt big. It felt like a big deal. So uh, Nate Johnson is saying hooray for Hoovy, the juice. He was the man. He's glad that Hoovy went over here. So am I. Uh, Nate, what's your opinion? Did you like Hoovy better when he uh, was masked or unmasked? I'm, I'm a mask guy. I'm a purist when it comes to these luchadors. Dude, I just liked it, though. I thought it really helped get Jericho over in a lot of ways. That was like the one of the his big uh, thing to hang on his mantle at that point in time was not only winning the Cruiserweight title, but him getting that. And like that, believe- and he carried it around like it, too. I believe for weeks after he came out, like wearing the Hoovy mask, yes. which is pretty funny. It was, and it was, and it, I don't want to say it was like, like chilling in a way, but it was almost like, oh my God, he like, that's, he disrespected that man. Like, that's what it felt like. And so I was very much for Hoovy losing his mask. It, I just, it just meant a lot. Well, Nate, Nate agrees with you, Dom. Yeah. He does. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, there we go. Yep. All right, uh, so next up, we hear the Pearl Jam knockoff, and Raven comes to the ring through the crowd, joined by Canyon. Canyon is... Hey, he didn't come out to a Pearl Jam knockoff. I thought I thought his Nirvana. music... Uh, oh, it, it was Nirvana for him? Come as you are. Oh, shit, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a, uh, a uh, Nirvana knockoff place. Uh, he and Canyon come to the ring. Canyon is flicking a Zippo open and closed, and the announcers put him over as a real danger here. Now, uh, question, what does... Uh, Canyon have on a Zippo lighter. Is oh, it's a blank. It's a blank, blank lighter, Dominic. Don't be ridiculous. Uh, Booker T's ball and ass theme hits, and he comes to the ring with a TV title around his waist and Lex Luger by his side. The two high-five at the top of the ramp and run to the ring. They hit it and immediately start whooping on Raven and Canyon. The ref manages to get them under control and calls for the bell with Booker T and Raven starting off. Um, so I want this match to be very back and forth. I don't want any like real clear uh, person who's like being dominant, uh, f- uh, at least for the start. Booker T and Raven will continually shift dominance throughout the first half until Canyon distracts Booker T with his lit Zippo and, t- and Raven takes advantage. Uh, now it becomes a classic game of cutting the ring in half, uh, basically where they try to keep Booker T away from getting the tag. Uh, finally, Luger will get a hot tag and come in like a house of fire. Canyon will get into the ring, and while Raven has Lex's attention, he'll set up for the fireball. Booker T makes the stop, however, turning Canyon around and nailing a thrust kick. Uh, Lex will turn after taking care of Raven and see Canyon laid out. He does that classic Lex Luger thing, which he would always do, um, where he like he looks at the crowd and he's just like, "You want him? You want? Do you want to see him do his finisher?" And uh, then the, he does. Of course, he does the tag to Booker. Um, 
when Lex tags Booker, Booker immediately scales to the top rope for the Harlem Hangover on Canyon. But Raven is crawled over by now, and he shakes the rope so Booker crotches himself. Lex is going to jump off the apron to go after Raven, and when he does, Canyon will have recovered, and he sees his opening. He climbs to the top rope where Booker is still recovering, picks him up, and plants Booker with a super flatliner off the top rope. He covers Booker and gets the upset victory. Raven has run away from Lex, and Lex is at the top of the ramp when he sees what has happened. Canyon has produced a gasoline can from under the ring, and he's getting ready to pour it on Booker. So Lex runs back to the ring and chases him off as we move on to the next segment. So Canyon and Raven getting a big win against uh, Booker T, the TV champion, and Lex Luger here. Yeah, pinning the TV champ. Dang. Yeah, man. So I've, I've been positioning Booker like like a main event star so far in, in WCW, and uh, I think that this is uh, the first loss that I've booked for him. Yeah, you know, and uh, I think it speaks to what we're going to do with Canyon probably moving forward too, huh? Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, it's, I feel like there's a pretty clear-cut path that we're on uh, with this feud. And you know what? Uh, I really like the Canyon, the aspect of you adding him like being a pyromaniac. He just looked like one, didn't he? Like he looked like, and he he looked like he was insane. Like he yeah. looked like there was something wrong with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think him being a, a pyromaniac in this version of WCW is where it's at. Who better than Canyon? Nobody. Love Nate Johnson right now. Um, so ready or not hits again, and Kevin Nash is headed to the ring. Uh, he's alone and he's looking uber cocky. He tells the ramp camera that he told his boys to hang back because he's going to make quick work of Regal. The announcers are calling Regal an underdog and all of them are saying that Nash will likely walk away as the winner due to his overwhelming size. Even Dusty, who's uh, in the same group as Regal, is saying that his uh, his buddy is going to have his work cut out for he's him. He's got a tall task ahead of him, Daddy. <laughs> yes, baby. Uh, so Regal is uh, out next, walking to the ring, looking determined uh, to that horseman theme. I'm, dude, that horseman theme was the shit. But I, I, maybe you can close the show whenever you do the the other version <laughs> with with that theme because it was it was dope. Um, I can imagine this being a really fun match to watch. Uh, just because Regal's such a good worker, Kevin Nash, underrated worker, especially when he was in the ring with somebody who's really talented, like Regal is. Um, so I can imagine this being a really fun match. Regal is, of course, going to be dominated for most of the match with with Nash just thwarting every attempt Regal makes to at takedowns and holds, um, just basically bodying him the entire time. Um, finally, Nash has hit Regal with the big boot, and he's setting him up for the jackknife. Regal will incredibly pull away from Nash's legs and chop away at his knees with kicks. Finally, Regal will get Nash on the mat with a drop toe hold and lock him into the Regal stretch, which is the uh, modified STF. Nash is going to fight forever, trying to everything he can to escape. But finally, Nash is going to lose consciousness, and the ref is going to drop his arm three times, and Regal is going to get the upset victory here. Mm. Uh, Dusty goes nuts in the booth like Regal won the Super Yeah, baby! Major upset win. Major upset win. Um, dude, I, I am the biggest Kevin Nash fan in the world, but I saw that he needed to lose this match. Uh, but this is not over. This is not over. Mm. Can you, I can't imagine Kevin Nash taking this lying down. Can you Dominic? I cannot. I cannot. Not in the Wolfpack. Don't turn your back on the Wolfpack. That's right. That's not the theme anymore, though, Dom. Ready or not by the Fugees, so you get that bullshit out of here. Actually, Hall Hall, Hall did use it as a catchphrase last week on Nitro, so I'll give you that. (laughs) Also, uh, what was – was Regal's theme in WCW any good? Do we need to – No, because he he was like Lord Steven Regal. Yes. So So we might need to uh, give him some copyright music. 
Well, no, dude, it's the horseman music. I already said that. I don't know. We can maybe change it up a little bit, Marcus. Absolutely not. Well, the, uh, the, you associate with that the four horsemen. He's on it. The four horsemen. Give it. I let know, Flair walk out to that. I know, Flair. I know it's. I know it's the horseman theme, Dominic. But it's. It's, it's not for the horsemen anymore. Right here. No, Dom. Dom, that theme is great. Look, Nate is saying he still plays it at the gym. What are you talking about, Dom? <laughs> uh, Ohio's is on fire radio. Hello, dudes with attitude. Oh, hey. Hey, thanks for joining us. Yeah, uh, by the way, if, if you guys are just joining us uh, and you like AEW, check out our other podcast, Two Dynamite Dudes with Attitude. We do it uh, once a week also, and we cover Dynamite right here on WrestleZone.com. Every damn week. Um, right. Nate says, too, everybody taught uh, taught Brett as the greatest technician. I think Regal could wrestle circles around Brett. So that's, I mean, you could, you could make that argument. I would love to uh, see that match. Have they ever wrestled each other? I have no idea. I really don't know. Um, so, it's, hey, there's there's a little something down the road, quite possibly. Boy, Nate's um, booking this for you. Jeez, Nate, I'm going to bring you in as, as the uh, Terry Taylor in this organization. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, so next up, uh, Steiner Eyes plays, and the Steiner brothers come out there defending their tag titles against Scott Norton and Brian Adams in Brian Adams' debut match uh, the, in WCW, the former it was This was in the summer of 69. No, 98. <laughs> the summer of 98 you get that bullshit out of here dumb <laughs> um so i think we all know what's what's going to happen here do we not folks um just like scott's heel turn in real life at this very event the steiners will have the advantage when scott is going to turn on rick costing mm -hmm. them the tag team titles and effectively turning heel uh scott norton and adams are going to beat the shit uh, uh, i'm sorry scott uh steiner scott norton and Brian Adams are just going to beat the shit out of Rick in the ring after the match. And uh, Rick is going to do a stretcher job to close this segment, which is something I think that they were missing uh, during the heel turn with uh, with Scott Steiner, where it was like, I feel like it, it just kind of was very cold as far as, you know, his brother is just like he goes away. Yeah, um, but would you like would you beat your brother? I mean, you couldn't do it to me, but I'm saying, would you beat your brother to a census pulp where he has to get uh, stretchered out? You Dominic. like, you'd almost think, you'd almost think that you'd hit your brother. And you'd be like, oh fuck, but you know what? Fuck you, brother. It wouldn't be the time where you'd be like, okay, well, I'm just gonna keep on beating you because I really, really don't like you. Now you're getting stretchered out. Hey man, I'm I'm trying to raise the stakes here, Dominic. You know this is this is this is soap opera once weekly television. You know I've taken a humanities class in college, so I kind of feel like I I'm more like attuned to life in in, in a lot of generals. Uh, granted, it was just a, a general general course, nothing right. A 100 level class, Dominic. I don't I don't know that you're qualified to make these judgment calls about people's I'm personalities. I'm qualified. Very qualified. Um, all right, so next up, Dominic, we've got uh, the match that I'm sure you've been waiting for. Uh, we hear Ready or Not again. This is the third time tonight that Ready or Not by the Fugees is going to play. And out comes Scott Hall doing his usual shtick. Uh, he stops at the top of the ramp, though. And when he does his double point back at the curtain, who comes out but six, who has been oh, away with dang. an injury. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've all heard the story about... Uh, Waltman being fired uh, via FedEx by Eric Bischoff, but now I've written that out of history. Uh, in my version, Bischoff never fires him, and we're bringing we're bringing six back. We're gonna thwart this whole like him joining uh, the Click, uh, starting DX up in up in WWF, and uh, yeah, he's he's gonna stick with the Wolfpack, baby. So he's still available at this point. He's not. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, he. So even let's let's say that Eric Bischoff fired him even back in like February or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not in my version. He never fired him. He's recovering from injury, and uh, and he hasn't been fired. Okay, so, so when did he get fired? I don't. I used to have the date written down somewhere uh, for this very purpose, actually, when I was bringing him back, but I don't have it anymore. But I want to say that it was in January, somewhere around that. So time. it falls in the lines of when you were, when you could still do it. Yeah, and, and hilariously, if you guys have Peacock or whatever, uh, go back and and rewatch. Uh, this era because you can kind of see Hall and Nash change on TV after six gets fired. They keep shouting him out on TV and they, that's like kind of the point where they stopped giving a shit, I think, in WCW. Well, no, they made that pretty clear. I think it was an interview with Wade Keller, the PW Torch. I want to say it was it was either Hall or Nash said they basically checked out when six when X-Pac got fired. That was it. Like they were they were into what they were doing very much so until that happened. And then they were just like, all right, we're just going to show up and do our job. And that's kind of it, you know? And if I remember right, I think Hall and Nash were both attempting to get released from their contract and see if Vince could give them a competing offer. Um, So it's pretty, it was very interesting time. Bischoff would have been nuts to let him go. Um, uh, Nate uh, saying the mistake that they made was not feeding off and making Rick a dominant, unstoppable face after the turn. I mean, he actually almost beat the outsiders by himself. It's yeah, it's true. Uh, it's and I, I, yeah, I, I see a lot in Rick Steiner, but I also see that it might be necessary for him to go go away for a little bit um, to get that out of him. So that's why he's doing a stretcher job here. So spoiler alert: Rick Steiner is going to be off TV for a little bit. Well, uh, also too, you look back at the early days when they did the varsity club with Kevin Sullivan, uh, they were getting Rick Steiner over as like a, a face too. Like he was supposed to, you know, turn away from the varsity club, like kind of get out of Kevin Sullivan's trance, so to speak. And like, you know, go up against him. He was the hot guy. And I, you know, you know, even as a kid, Marcus, who did we associate the most with when you'd see the Steinbergs? It was Rick Steiner. Because, yeah, it was Rick because he yeah. had that—he was over-the-top personality. He came out barking like a dog. He had the headgear. He just had a memorable gimmick. His brother was just like this uh, dude with a mullet. Uh, but then all of a sudden, Scott Steiner got on the juice, and it's like people started to notice, like, dude, this guy's arms are massive. Like, he has ridiculous physique. Also, like, just crazy athleticism. You know, for a guy that size to be doing Frankensteiners, he invented the Frankensteiner. I mean, like, what a what an innovative dude. Um, so, I mean, uh, this is not a Sean and Marty situation here with the Steiner brothers. This is like both guys are going to come out okay in this. Yeah, you know, it, it could have been different if we were the Steiner brothers. I think uh, I would have gotten over pretty pretty easily. Yeah, Dominic, uh, anytime you've had a physical confrontation with me, I beat the shit out of you. Uh, so, Dominic, <laughs> next, next ladies and pivot, are you, huh? <laughs> Next, Larry Zabisco comes out and he looks like he has a trick up his sleeve. He's got a little a little grin on his face. Oh, he points at Hall while he's still at the top of the ramp, talking some inaudible shit before turning back to the curtain. His guest enforcer emerges, and it is none other than the original living legend, Bruno San Martino. Whoa, Marcus Big Pop! Holy shit! Yep, massive pop for Bruno and Hall and Six sell it like they've seen a ghost. Damn. Um, so, uh, Dominic, Bruno San Martino appeared for WCW back in, I want to say it was 96, before Hall and Nash uh, debuted. Uh, it was either 95 or 96, something like that. He came out as like a special guest referee. So we know that he had a decent relationship with WCW. We know that he had a decent relationship with Eric Bischoff. Um, and we know that... Do we he, know that? Do, do we know? I'm... I mean, uh, maybe not, but in, in this in this case, uh, Larry Zabisco is there. Larry's probably helping talk him into it. Um, and we, we're offering Bruno some big money to make an appearance for a night. 
was for a night. Yeah, it's it, Bruno's not returning yeah. full time. There's there's no way that Bruno would return full time in this era, Dominic. There's just, I mean, it, he had he had his life here yeah, in Pittsburgh. He, was, he wasn't the keenest in the business with it on uh, how it was the direction it was heading. He's very outspoken about that. So. Nope, I'm putting a sack of money in his pocket and sending him back to Pittsburgh after tonight. Mm. Um, so this match is going to be a lot of Hall dominating. Uh, Six is going to get involved often, but Bruno is going to chase him away from Larry every time. Uh, finally, Six is going to get his hands on Larry to give Hall the advantage, and Bruno has seen enough. Bruno comes behind Six, turns him around, and clocks him. Six stumbles away up the ramp, attempting to escape, but when he turns, who's waiting for him at the top of the ramp but Dusty Rhodes, who's left the booth and is waiting for him there. <laughs> He holds six from behind and Bruno tees off on him with punches. Hall is distracted by all this. And when he turns around, uh, he gets hooked by Zabisco's guillotine. Hall fights for a bit, but ultimately passes out. The old school faction has beaten the Wolfpack tonight in every match. So uh, who better to sell for Bruno San Martino than six, by the way. In this yeah, time. that'd be great. What a, what a uh, juxtaposition too. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, six and, and Dusty might be starting a little something, something here. You know, mm. he's meeting him at the top of the ramp. Ooh, I like it, Marcus. I like it. This is uh, you got you maybe mark out a little bit here for this. Yeah, I mean, I I knew that having Scott Hall and Bruno San Martino involved in the same match would be money for you, Dom. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Andy Flick has asked no blue meanie. I if I don't I don't know if contracts were actually a thing in ECW back then. Um, that's something I think that they're right. more concerned about getting a paycheck from Heyman at that juncture than anything else. Right. So who knows if if he was under contract or not? Uh, Dominic, I'd, I'd, why don't you shoot blue meanie a text for me? I can figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So hang on. Where am I? Here we go. Uh, we get a WCW merch commercial before moving on to the Hard Dungeon versus Los Latinos. Um, so for this match, I think that we all know that the real anticipation here is Bret Hart and Eddie Guerrero getting to touch, right? The, it's seeing those two lock up is kind of what what all of us as fans want to see. It's what this this angle should ultimately have been building toward. Even though Eddie wasn't really established as a major star during this time, he he's the head of this group. Bret Hart is the head of his group. So it's like it kind of makes sense for these two to lock it up. Um, right. and, that's, and that's exactly why Eddie is going to be avoiding it all match. So... Uh, every time Hart tags in, Eddie is immediately going to tag out and smirk at him from the apron. Uh, and I want the announcers to really drive home the point that Eddie's playing mind games with Hart. Uh, for the finish, Neidhart will be taking Chavo to the woodshed, but Eddie will stifle him with a cheap shot to the back of his head. Hart, at this point, is seen enough, and he comes around the ring, pulls Eddie down off the apron, and starts beating on him. Leparka is going to try to help Eddie, but Bulldog is there to help Hart fight the two off as the crowd goes nuts. Chavo's going to use the distraction to low blow Neidhart, and then he's going to hit him with a rolling top rope DDT for the victory. Hart and Bulldog run back to the ring, and Chavo powders through the crowd as they check on Neidhart. So, uh, so the Los Latinos getting a big win over the Hard Dungeon here. Yeah, uh, good. I think that's some good booking too, because like you look at it, you're getting this. Well, both are obviously new factions. Like Hard Found or Hard Dungeons, a reiteration of the um, of the Hard Foundation. But, like, Eddie, he beat Piper last month that sold out. And so now this is a good follow-up. And it's good to get Chavo get the pin, too. 
Absolutely. Chavo is the man um, in this era. He was certainly in his in his athletic prime at this time. Neidhart was uh, a little past his prime by this point. So I see no issue with Neidhart uh, putting him over clean in the match, yeah. which, it, which it wasn't even clean. He got a low blow. Yeah. All right. So the, the production truck runs tape on the feud between DDP and Hogan, and we're rolling on our semi-main. DDP comes out looking like he's ready to kill somebody and he gets a monster pop. Hogan is out next with Bischoff as Voodoo Child plays. Uh, DDP is going to start hot here, beating Hogan's ass as Hogan tries to beg off. Throughout the match, Hogan's going to make efforts to cheat but uh, and, and gains advantages here and there, but DDP will continually fight his way out of those situations and regain control. For the finish, we're going to get a ref bump after Hogan takes DDP's discus punch and falls back into the ref. Bischoff is going to see his chances, and he's going to slide into the ring with a chair, but DDP is going to duck the chair shot and drop Bischoff with a diamond cutter to a huge pop. Uh, DDP pushes Bischoff's prone body out of the ring, but when he turns around, Hogan has pulled blacks, a black spray paint can out of his pants, yeah, which he used to do a lot during that era. He'd have it like stuffed down like near his crotch. Right by my Miller's, dude. <laughs> so it looked like he had a massive penis. Uh, so he's <laughs> massive gonna, hog, man. And he's going to spray DDP in the eyes with it. DDP's going to sell being blinded, and Hogan shoots him off to the ropes for his big boot. Hogan will then drop the leg on Page wake the ref up and the ref is going to deliver a slow three count for the decisive Hogan victory. Um, Hogan and Bischoff, Bischoff are going to help each other to the back, leaving DDP in the ring. So uh, Hogan, I think Hogan needed a win. He needed a win against credible opponent here. Um, and DDP is it, he's trending upward. So Hogan's gonna, Hogan's gonna get, get a little, get his heat back, brother. Yeah. I gotta get it back, dude. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Dominic, the main event for the world heavyweight championship. Macho Man is out first, followed by Sting, who repels in from the rafters with the title around his waist. Uh, Macho's going to jump Sting as is he's trying to. Is the child narrating the beginning of the. As, I think it's safe to assume that that's the case. Okay. Which, by the way, was Garrett Bischoff. Was, was it really? Child. Yeah. What? It was. Just dropping news on you, Dom. Was this an 83 weeks uh, revelation? Yes. Wow. Yeah, it was. Eric said that that was Garrett. That's pretty awesome. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, so he's going to jump Sting as he's trying to get his harness off, and we get the match started with Savage having an advantage. Um, as a parallel to the Hogan match, Savin, Savage is going to have the advantage for the most part here, with Sting occasionally fighting out before being stopped again. Uh, Savage will have Sting set up for the elbow drop, but Sting is going to move, and Randy, Randy is looking in a bad way as the Stinger slowly regains his feet. That bastard, Hulk Hogan, does a run-in with a black baseball bat looking to get some revenge on Sting. Hogan will swing it from the apron, but Sting will catch it and rip it out of Hulk's hand. Hulk looks terrified, and he gets off the apron, and Sting casts the bat aside. But when he turns around, Savage is charging him. Sting ducks his attack and and does his classic Sting strikes. You know, remember he used yeah. to like, do this, and they hit it the backhand. Uh, the classic string sping, Sting strikes. Uh, back into the corner. Sting is going to nail a stinger splash in the corner, and the woozy macho man is going to flop in the center of the ring, and we all know what's about to happen. Uh-oh. Sting takes his time, but he locks Savage in the scorpion, and the ref calls for the bell when he sees Savage is completely out. We go off the air with Hogan scowling at Sting from the ramp, and Sting grinning at Hogan, having successfully spoiled his plans. Wow. So that closed the show, huh? Yep. That, that is the close of the show. So, I mean, Hulk Hogan got a big win. Sting got a big win. Hulk Hogan still feels that he's the, the world champion. What are, we, what are we doing? 
what's going on here? What's going on? <laughs> so that's it, man. Uh, that's the event. I know uh, we there was some schmozzes. There were a couple interferences and stuff, but I felt I feel that they were all necessary evils to get the the storylines where they needed to be. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed Super Bowl eight. Well, I hey, I really enjoyed it. I marked out, man. I marked out for them. Scott Hall, Bruno stuff, and six I, returning. I knew you'd like it, Dom. Yeah, I mean, what a what an event. We got a couple mystery guys coming out, and they happen to be two Hall of Famers. Two Hall of Famers. My goodness, I liked it. Uh, very intriguing. Uh, Steven Regal getting over big time. Uh, Canyon getting clean. Well, not clean, but getting a clear pinfall win over Booker T. Um, pretty good stuff. Yeah, man. So uh, I was I wanted to take people on a, on some twists and turns, and I feel like that that worked out pretty well. Um, and yeah, tune in next week where we're gonna have the uh, the follow up Nitro uh, and what's gonna happen, man. I mean, we got Eddie Guerrero getting a big win. We've got Kevin Nash taking a big loss. Um, we've got Scott Hall uh, and Larry Zabisco. Larry's Larry's the announcer next week, and Scott Hall is gonna be in the building. What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen, man? I we I I can't wait to figure out, but Marcus. Jeez, we're out of time. Yeah, the tape machines are rolling. And, guys, we will see you here next time on WCW Rewritten. Give me a follow at Marcus P. D'Angelo. Give Dominic a follow at Dominic D'Angelo. Uh, give WrestleZone a follow at WrestleZoneCom. And uh, give this podcast a follow at WCW Rewritten. Hey, and if you guys like it, like just be, give us feedback or, or let people know on social media just Shout it out because we want to get this thing rolling a bit more too, and it's it's been a lot of fun. And Mark should do a darn good job with this kind of stuff. So thanks. Ohio is on fire. Says good pay per view. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate all you guys tuning in. Yeah, uh, re- really nice to have you guys join us and give us your feedback. Um, yeah, stick with us, man. We got some big stuff coming. I have monster plans this year. Uh, Goldberg is starting to catch fire, and there's going to be some very interesting stuff happening with him. How far are yeah? Yeah, I'm sure it's got obviously it'll go in a different route than what WCW originally did, but uh, you got some pretty unique stuff for him happening, sure, absolutely. Um, coming up soon, too. You know, it's I've been saying that I kind of I'm I'm kind of putting my foot on the gas when it comes to Goldberg here because it's we all know it's coming. The crowd was starting to pop big for him at this time, but it's just like week after week, it just got bigger, bigger, bigger until finally it's just like culminating with like he wins the U.S. title. And then it's like he's marching toward Hogan, and then we get that that live show at the Georgia Dome. Um, and so I we're we're working toward the Georgia Dome because I, I feel like it was a really special moment. But like on the way there, it's like I'm trying to get him there. I'm trying to, to get it, get him to the upper echelon sooner. And I'm you know him winning a big handicap match against an established scary monster tag team. I feel like is uh, is a good place to start. Yeah, yeah, get that get that heat under Goldberg, man, the man. The man. Mm-hmm. So, All right. Uh, yeah, that's going to be it, guys. We will catch you next week right here on WCW. Be ready.